Good morning, everyone. My name is Sylvia. I'm a very grateful member of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, first of all, Judy, thank you so much for asking me to um, come share today because this, uh, this Berkeley meeting was my home meeting um, probably pretty much from the time I first came in in 1985 uh, when it was, uh, it was at, I think, Alta Bates at the time, Alta Bates Hospital, and then moved um, around, but uh, now I guess on Zoom. So <clears throat> um, it's great. Welcome to the newcomers, and it's great to see so many people that um, I love, even though I don't see you often, um, because you've been part of my recovery for the last, what is that, I don't know, 37 years, I think. Um, so I'll, I'll quickly just share, I first walked into an OA meeting in North Berkeley um, in July of 1985. And um, my journey uh, started thanks to my codependency because I came in to support a friend of mine who really needed this program. I, you know, I hadn't quite gotten to the point where I realized that I needed this program, but uh, I came to support her. Um, she left, I stayed. So I'm incredibly grateful for that, for that experience. And at my first meeting, I basically cried the entire time because it was the first time that I heard other people share about their food behaviors, their secret food behaviors um, that I also engaged in. And I um, don't know that my brain had ever really exactly figured out what was going on, but I, at that point, had had years of dieting, binging, um, low, low self-esteem, um, trying to fill what we often call our God hole, um, with academic achievements, with boyfriends, with, um, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, I tried all sorts of stuff and, um, garden variety compulsive overeater. I'm a quantity eater. Um, and I'm using the present tense because I know I'm still a compulsive overeater, even though I actually can't really remember the last time I ate compulsively. So that is a miracle in and of itself. But I, I know I'm a compulsive overeater and um, I still follow um, certain, you know, I have a food plan and I, I have a sponsor that I work steps with and I sponsor people and I'm, you know, very much um, aware that um, that I can't eat like a normal person one day at a time. Um, although it feels, although ironically, it actually kind of, you know, I, I don't, I, I have certain rules and I, there are certain things I don't eat, but, uh, and after that, uh, it actually feels very normal these days. So it's kind of a, it's really quite a miracle. I, I never feel uh, like I'm missing out, which is really cool. Um, so I came in, I, at some point before I came into OA, I did weigh over 200 pounds. Um, I stopped weighing myself at some point, so I don't know what my top weight was. And when I came into OA, I actually wasn't at my top weight because I had spent some time um, in a loving, a loving environment. I had spent a few months at my grandmother's in Italy, and um, she was an amazing person in my life. And um, I had been able to um, 
I've been able to let go of, of compulsive eating temporarily, and I had actually lost a fair amount of weight. So when I came into OA, I, I wasn't at my top weight, but I was still, I was still uh, very, very overweight between the ears. And then I, and then I gained more weight and lost more weight anyway. Um, and part of my story that I always like to say is that, um, although when I came in, I just knew this was my home, um, I spent about seven years, I think-ish, um, always in the rooms and having a sponsor and going to meetings and working the steps, but I was never able to have, you know, what we call long-term abstinence. I would, um, I lost a ton of weight. I kind of use this program as a diet, even though it says everywhere we're not a diet club, but, you know, yes, I did that. At, and I took the gray sheet because back in the day there was a, there was a, a specific food plan that they recommended for most people and I took that sheet and I followed it and thank you and um, and it didn't it, that food plan didn't work for me um, you know in retrospect my codependency kept me trying to do what my sponsor was doing and um, you know bless her she was she was amazing she was helping me with the steps and I learned so much but I at, I was losing too much weight and at the same time binging pretty regularly so it was a it was a little bit of a crazy time but over over the next bunch of years I um, changed sponsor I sponsors I found someone who, um, was willing to just let me do some research, which I know that's, it's pretty, um, uh, it's kind of a scary thing to say out loud, but I, it's my story. So I'm going to share it. So I, I did research and instead, uh, and every day I would check in with him, uh, my, my food sponsor at the time, and I would tell him what I ate, what happened, what worked, what didn't. And over time, I developed my very own food plan which I won't bore you with, but I'll be happy to share with anybody who wants to call and talk to, about me, but with me. Um, and uh, it was, it, you know, maybe didn't look a hundred percent different from gray sheet, but I did certainly need, I, my body needed more, more complex carbs and just a couple of other things. So anyway, um, so that, that was sort of before, um, I think, as I mentioned, I was a garden variety, I am a garden variety compulsive overeater, a quantity eater, uh, sugar addict. Um, I used to like to eat things that crunched. So my favorite thing was something that um, I actually had to make amends for later when I was doing step nine, because I used to, I used to wander around the Berkeley uh, College Avenue Safeway with my cart and I would steal carob covered peanut clusters from the bins and I would put them in a bag and I would pretend I was shopping and I would, you know, eat them. And then I'd go back and have some more. And I finally, with my sponsor, I sat down and figured out maybe approximately how much I had stolen and, um, and eaten and, uh, sent them the check. So, um, I'm an accountant. I was an accountant by trade. So the idea of them getting these weird night amends checks is kind of makes me laugh now, but, uh, you know, I did what I needed to do. So anyway, so, and not, so, um, I guess I'm going to stop talking about that. Um, although I guess I want to take one second to just remember how obsessed I was every single day with my weight, what I, 
how I was going to lose weight that day and then ultimately binging and then, you know, just kind of going off the deep end and um, what a, what a very sad and, and difficult time that that was. And so it took me a long time to get abstinence. So I want to say to anybody who's having trouble, what people used to say to me, which is don't quit until the miracle happens. And don't let the fact that miracle is sort of maybe considered a religious word scare you away. We can think of it as a spiritual word in this program. Everything is spiritual, not religious. Um, and uh, I didn't. I kept coming back and the miracle did happen. And uh, part of it, and I'm going to. I'm going to share a paragraph that is in the um, 12, the, the, well, we call it the 12 and 12, the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous, because I'm going to talk, I think, about um, my current program as it relates to this paragraph. So it's in step three of, of the book. It says, do we ever achieve a permanent freedom from food obsession? Yes and no. OA long timers do have this miraculous freedom most days, but occasionally for some, the obsession returns. How do we get through these times without returning to compulsive eating? We don't panic. Those are my like three favorite words. We don't panic. Instead, we quietly reaffirm our personal guidelines and ask our higher power to help us continue living with them, within them. Then we turn away from food and eating to focus our attention on our OA fellowship and the 12 steps. As we work the steps using the tools of the program, a plan of eating, sponsorship, meetings, telephone, writing, literature, action plan, anonymity, and service, we find the help we need. OA friends lovingly remind us that this too shall pass. It does pass and our obsession is lifted again. This abstinent way of life continues on a daily basis so long as we continue to trust a higher power with our lives renew our step three commitment daily and practice all of OA's 12 steps. Um, and I love this because I think that's what happened to me, I guess. Thank you. Is I guess I finally, finally took step three, even though I didn't quite realize it. And I finally started turning away from the food and trusting that I could work these steps and, and, and the traditions and follow a food plan um, but really what I had to focus on was my, you know, in the AA big book, we, it says that, you know, we, <clears throat> we addicts, alcoholics, compulsive readers, we have a problem living life on life's terms. And so uh, what I think happened is that I was able to start really working the program in a different way instead of focusing on the food, which as much as I don't want to admit, I think that's what I was still doing. I was still using this program as a diet club. I started really focusing on my character defects and my, um, you know, my, my codependency, which, which really, um, which really is probably my biggest character defect because it's the one that kept me in the food you know if I if I needed to say no to something I didn't have the courage so I'd say yes and to continue doing whatever it was that I'd said yes to I would I would eat I spent my entire undergraduate college career studying something that I hated because I didn't have the courage to tell my parents that I really didn't want to study that that I wanted to study something different and I did it by smoking cigarettes compulsively and eating compulsively. And it was a pretty miserable time. I mean, I did have some fun too, but it was a pretty miserable time. Um, 
And so, um, so I was, uh, so one of the, so, so my codependency comes from all of those wonderful character defects that I discovered in my fourth step, you know, my, my perfectionism, fear of making mistakes, fear of people not liking me. Um, and, uh, I have, I have my list right here, which, um, um, <clears throat> self-pity, low self-esteem, which is the other side of pride, which also, of course, underlies perfectionism and, and, you know, wanting everybody to like me all the time, playing the victim, not setting limits, not asking for what I need, um, controlling people, places, and things around me, um, which is, of course, fear-based, uh, judgmentalness, inconsistency, hypersensitivity to criticism, which I've recently, I'm going to spend two minutes talking about that because I've recently had a huge aha about that. Um, there's a saying, Q-tip, quit taking it personally. I don't know who taught that to me, but um, so the reason I take so many criticism, you know, whenever somebody of course, the two people in my life that do this a lot are my husband and my mom. And whenever they point out that I've done something that is probably true, like, you know, you're late or you forgot to do blank, my body literally reacts. I go into a shame spiral. Instead of just staying in the moment and feeling guilty and saying, oh, shit, yeah, I'm um, sorry oh shoot, uh, I did do that, I am late, or I did forget to do that, I'm sorry, which is of course, you know, sort of step 10, it's like, okay, what are the facts? What's my part? Do I need to make amends? Instead of staying in that, I just go into this shame place of I'm a piece of crap, which, uh, which reminds me of another favorite, favorite um, uh, saying that we use that, you know, I'm an egomaniac that um, with a self, I'm an egomaniac with a uh, low self-esteem complex. That's not exactly right, but that's the idea. Uh, or I'm the piece of shit that the world revolves around, you know. And and so recently, something that something exactly like that happened between me and my husband. And um, I did a tense, like I spent the night kind of doing tense steps in my head. Maybe if I'd gotten up and journaled, it would have been faster, and I could have slept better. But in the morning, I went and I said, you're right, I did forget to do that, and I'm sorry. And it was like, oh my gosh, you know, what a simple thing. And I've come a long way. I mean, I used to spend probably months <laughs> being in defensive mode and being resentful at everybody and blaming everybody else. And um, this time, you know, it only took me maybe less than 12 hours. So that was like a big, a big win. Um, but that, thank you. So I have five left. So, the, so, so just this big aha of the difference between healthy guilt and shame and, um, you know, the fourth step, the, the, you know, the action steps really have helped me get to know myself. Um, but it's, it's this peeling the onion process. You know, I, sometimes I wish that I could graduate from this program, but I know I never will. And so um, I just get to keep working on my character defects and I keep, you know, getting to ask God for help 
uh, and the humility to um, try again. And um, the other thing I don't want to run out of time to share with you is the long version of the serenity prayer, which somebody shared with me years and years ago. And I've kind of massaged it a little bit, but I put it in the chat. But to me, the second part is so important because the second part is after the original part of, you know, serenity cannot change courage. I'll say that. So God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Grant me patience for the things that take time, gratitude for all that I have, compassion for myself and others, and the perseverance to get up and try again one moment at a time. And practicing gratitude and compassion for myself and others and patience I think those are truly life-changing for me because I spent so much time hating myself, judging myself, and judging other people. And even though I used to say, oh, well, I judge myself more than anybody else, I think, you know, as I did the step work, I actually realized I was a pretty judgmental person and I judged other people a lot too, even though I didn't really, you know, want to fess up to it. And so that that compassion and patience, um, you know, if the 10th step says, you know, um, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admit it. It doesn't say if, right? The steps already know, it's like those people who came up with these steps know we're, we're human beings. And so we're always gonna fall down and make a mistake because we're not perfect. And it's very, um, very freeing to, to, to realize that and know that I don't, I don't have to be perfect that, you know, love I've heard recently is like really loving someone is really is loving that person despite their defects of character, you know? So, and that includes myself, my own, you know, self-love. So um, today I, you know, I do a few things differently, but for the most part, my food plan is still very similar as it was, you know, 20 years ago. Um, I go to meetings, I sponsor, a. I, I go to less meetings than I used to, but I sponsor a ton of people, which is like having a ton of meetings. Um, and I really, you know, instead of turning to the food, which isn't a reaction anymore, whenever there's something that I feel is, is wrong, is amiss, I feel uncomfortable, I make a phone call, I pray, I meditate. I journal, I, you know, read some, something until I can, until God gives me that, <clears throat> excuse me, the um, awareness of what it is that's going on that makes me feel uncomfortable. And I get to see whether I need to make amends to myself or to somebody else, or to just, you know, maybe the amends to myself is just to let it go, whatever it is that I'm obsessing over. Um, and so my life is much more serene today. It's not perfect. I wish I could tell you it was, but it's not. But I'm very grateful that I've been at a normal weight. I mean, for, for my body, I've been at this weight um, through, well, I was, and I, I've been at a good weight for me through two pregnancies um, and all sorts of other crises, you know, on the wonderful things like the pregnancies and crises in my life. And um, I'm probably in better shape today at age 61 than I was, you know, like 20 years ago because I hurt my back. And so I've had to be doing all these exercises all the time, which um, strengthen certain things. So 
because I'm abstinent, I get to have all these different issues come up in my life and I get to resolve them in a way that doesn't involve food, which is really, truly miraculous. And so I'm just going to say I'm so grateful that my friend got me here and uh, through higher power, obviously, and that I've stayed in 12-step recovery for as long as I have one day at a time and continue, really look forward to continue being in it for the rest of my life. So thanks for letting me share.